Hi, and welcome to the Pure Report. This is Rob Ludeman. It's time to bring the orange on yet another episode of this podcast where we bring you everything about Pure, the technology, the thought leadership, and of course, uh, great conversations with interesting individuals like the one I have today, our VP of Marketing, Jason Nadeau. Jason, how's it going today? It's doing great, Rob. Great to be here. Thanks All for right. having me. Awesome. Great to have you here. Um, what's your uh, What's the timeline for, for your experience at Pure, just to get started, let people know a little bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. It's uh, coming up on four years, actually. Wow, okay. So I joined in August about four years ago. You know, I'd, um, I'd known a bunch of the people here. I'd worked with a number of them at Veritas, so I already knew something about right. like the team and I knew uh, you know from certainly even those early days the the successes that Pierre was having so I thought this looks like yeah. a fun place orange is good I like that color orange is great uh, and yeah it's just been a, just been a great awesome. ride ever awesome. since well I, I brought you on today because I want to talk about one of the big flagship events that we have annually called accelerate and we just closed that mm -hmm. uh, a number of weeks ago and I know you're intimately involved in uh, a lot of the planning the preparation as well as some of the the, the marketing content and strategies and things that we roll out, but um, your impression about the event that we rolled, how how did it go for you? I know you're involved in a lot of the main stage activities, but um, what did you think? Yeah, so for sure, uh, involved in a lot of the, the things, as you mentioned, but a huge focus is the keynote, right? Right. So um, overall, I thought, the, I thought the show was, was fantastic. You know, we got a ton of people to attend, both live and on the live stream, and we got our message out, which is a key thing. And as a, as a marketer, right, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get your storyline out there into the world. And I thought the way we pulled it off was actually really good. And what do I mean by that? So, you know, if you kind of go back in time, you know, with Pure, we've had some different top level messages about like, you know, what is it that Pure is offering, right. if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And like, you, for example, you can go back in time and you can see us talking about smart storage, for example. And, you know, the, the thing we really kind of rolled out this year was a fairly big concept around data centric architecture. And what we I really liked about this show was that concept flowed from Charlie's right. initial keynote. Front and center. All, right. right, all the way through. And we worked hard to make that happen. So that data-centric architecture supported by, as if for if your listeners, you know, if they if they saw this, supported by shared accelerated storage, you know, all the way down through the whole the whole keynote into the products, and then of course out into the show floor, out into the breakouts. So it was it was really great to have that consistency of message and how it all fit together. From you know, from the CEO leadership with with uh, Charlie Giancarlo. Yeah, it was really well connected, down. right? I yeah, mean, you could really see that there was an effort to have that you know be pervasive throughout everything that we were doing. Um, why data centric architecture now? What is it that our customers and those prospects, right, that are con con contending with data management issues? What is it about what we're talking about that is different that will get them to pay attention? That is interesting and. Ultimately, let's face it, solves their problems yeah. better than other things they can do. 100%. So, I mean, it's not like data is a new thing, right? right? Uh, data has been around and has been growing for a long time. But I think what we've all come to realize, I mean, not just all up here, I mean, I think the industry kind of writ large is realizing how much value there actually is in all of the data, not just some of it. Like right? end to end. Yeah, yeah, like end to end, you know, like you think about the click stream of, of users browsing the web, like there's all this data that exists, sensors everywhere. I mean, this whole IoT thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, for I think of a long time, people like they took their data, they used a small more uh, portion of it for some short period of time, then it got archived and frankly, like never got touched again. And people are starting to realize, oh, my gosh, there's a ton of insights that are only possible if I can touch more and more of that data, ideally all of it, right? Right. Um, you know, in practical terms, it may not be all of it. So, 
you know what that got us thinking like hey that that shift that is going to drive first of all a ton of data that you need to have accessible all the time right they start to get this notion of hot data versus right. cold data sitting in an archive somewhere right and so you know you start to have some some thoughts and potentially controversial like there is no such thing as cold data anymore what would my architecture need to look like if all my data was hot all the time right well you know Again, that might be sort of the, the far end of a, of a spectrum, and you know, there's going to be a journey for a lot of people, uh, and maybe they never get there, and that's okay. But you need a different architecture for that. So that's what got us thinking about: okay, if you're going to have that much data and it needs to be active, how do you how do you architect for that? Yeah. And you're going to need to have, you know, we, we can can try to come up with different ways to talk about it, but it's clearly going to be data centric because when there's that much of it, you can't move it around. That's the sort of one of the sort of the things that the, the realizations that you make. You can't if it's a small amount of data. Great, shuttle it from this location to that location, this application to that location. This notion of east-west traffic, you right. know, people talk about. You're not going to be able to do much of that anymore. You got to bring the compute, the processing, the algorithms to the data. Thus, it's data centric, and so you know, kind of some light bulbs, you know, went off for, yeah, yeah. for a bunch of us. Right. We're like. That's a pretty good way to talk about it. Yeah. And the the, the other thing that it kind of, I, I think it nicely sets up, quite frankly, is if, you know, a dichotomy between that and server-centric. You know, if you think about a lot of what is, you know, the the, the rage, I guess, for, for people right now um, is is HCI. And, you know, the reason that people are getting into that is because they, they want the simplicity. They want the VM-based, you know, kind of management, right? Yeah, they don't want to have to think about, yeah, you know, right, infrastructure right. per se. And mm -hmm. that's a, we love that concept sure. too, right? And so we're, we're building for similar outcome, but just in a different way. And, you know, server-centric, I think, causes all this data mobility and motion and east-west complexity and load and and trouble, frankly. Like, that's just not going to be data-centric. So, you know, we're looking, we, we, we think, Fundamentally, if you really want to exploit data, you got to take a different approach. Um, we frankly do think that there are some ways you can do HCI, for example, that is data centric, but that's not what we're seeing out there in you know in the market today. Yeah. yeah. What I loved, and you're bringing up something with the compute, and the networking, and the storage layers, right? Where where, where Charlie talked about that that three legged stool, absolutely, if you will, right? And how over time we've looked at how those different three areas have created imbalance. Right. There were times when when Moore's law dominated and, and more compute was able to be run. And then, you know, there's a lot of uh, emphasis on networking and networking was the fast thing. And storage always seemed to be kind of that bottleneck. Right. That that challenge of how do you contend with that? And there's a lot of things that we're doing that really break down some of those barriers. Yep. 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 And, and again, it goes to, well, how big are the data volumes mm -hmm. like in. Again, in the olden days, the olden days may not be that far ago, <laughs> right? Uh, it was still relatively small amounts of hot data that you were truly focused on analyzing yeah. or whatever, do you know? And so in, in that case, yeah, it kind of becomes more about the compute. The, the storage, even if the storage is a bottleneck in sort of theoretical terms, in practical terms, it didn't matter that much because for the small amounts of data that you were really focused on working with, Hey, you could fit it in your cache or whatever, whatever the you know the the faster thing was that you needed. You, and, but the rest of it, you kind of weren't paying attention to, and it was just sitting in slow storage. But it didn't matter that it was slow. Yeah, you know, th th I mean, that's like the way a lot of these archives are. They're designed to be big, 
slow and cheap, right? Yep. Um, and frankly, we, th- we think the, the future demands something different, right? It needs to be big and fast. You know, and simple and easy, and sure, so everybody sure. can just use it. Yeah. And it's it's at that point that yeah, you got to do you got to do things different. And now the bottleneck really matters. Sure. And so that's why we've been so focused on eliminating that storage bottleneck and the complexity bottlenecks and other things that, that get in the way too. Not just you know, it's not just about performance. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, you know, now in this world, you need you got to get rid of that of that performance bottlenecks to the extent that 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 they're a, a problem for people, which they are for most. Um, and then other things start to kind of, you know, the bottlenecks start to shift at that point, yeah, right? Yeah. They're always moving around. They're always moving. Right. And, you know, for people, um, you know, that are following what's happening out there in the semiconductor world, right? Like the, the Intel roadmap seems to be slowing down somewhat here. So it like is. Moore's yeah. Law, you know, at least in that implementation, right, is not on the same trajectory that it was. Um, and there's a diversity of compute now, too. And so, you know, GPUs, here come the yeah. GPUs. FPGAs, and what about FPGAs? That's things, right. right? Yeah. So like... Again, you start to think to yourself, okay, well, if I had a server-centric architecture, that starts to become more difficult, like, because I need to now, I'm going to have different compute complexes that might want to touch the same data. Yeah. How, how, do I, how do I deal with that, right? So in a world of complete homogeneity, right, you, you know, a server-centric world makes a bit more sense, but especially now that you, you've got this diversity of compute, you got to bring all the different types of compute to the data. And again, data-centric thus is the way to do it. And Getting back yeah. to your original question. Yeah. And when you have the massive explosion of data and the other data types that are coming too, right? Ten They're years just going to keep coming. 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been as much of an issue because you're dealing just with your enterprise data, your mission critical, your your database things, the transactions that are running your business. But you know, it's just massive explosion of the the unstructured and and all these other things, you know, which we do really well with Flashblade, of course. But yep, um, you know, that's is that data that you want to just have sitting untapped? No, you want to be able to actually do. Yeah, something that's right. With and, it. and look, it's not just about storage. Like um, you think about a lot of that unstructured data. People have had unstructured data for a long time. But what they also didn't have was really, frankly, very good algorithms to go and mine right. it. You know, and so that's there's been this whole parallel evolution of you know, just call it algorithms and analytics, you know, f- tools and frameworks to do something useful with the data. Right. And once that you have that, okay, now you have a demand to actually access the data, right? Yeah. Until that existed, what were you going to do with the data so much anyway, right? Yeah, it was kind of like regulatory yeah. retention purposes and, <laughs> right. or deleted. You know, we, um, you know, I used to work at, uh, at, at Symantec and, you know, one of the things we used to try to have a discussion around and a product strategy around was so that was so that people could confidently delete their data because you know <laughs> you know as you as you know like in in your life with a PC or an iPhone you're like can I delete this like do I have a backup somewhere do I or Not sure. do I really just yeah. you know and you know I don't know I may, we're, maybe we're moving in a world where there's no such thing as confidently deleting your data you should just keep it all confidently keep your data you know I, that's the 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 retention requirement for some industries now as well right there is no seven years it's, or fifteen years it's like you you just have that data forever. Well, well, right. I mean, you you might have had a, re, uh, a regulation that says you have to keep it for at least seven years. Yeah. <laughs> now, maybe yeah. people, some people say, well, I never want to delete it ever because, you know, costs keep going down and there's more value. The trending in the historicals, they really matter a lot, you know. And, and, and to be fair, of course, there's still all sorts of different workloads that are very streaming based. They're very real time. Like you have to process it right now as it's yeah. coming out, right? Like, um, and, the, and, and so of course there's diversity uh, there as well, but so much data has value historically and is gonna inform, um, you know, whether it's, you know, consuming uh, or consumer oriented applications or enterprise or self-driving cars or whatever, who knows, right? You just want it and, and we're beginning to unlock it now. It's exciting stuff. Um, 
Let's get back to Accelerate. Yeah. And it's also a place where we make some really exciting announcements, right, about products. And I know, again, you were intimately involved in those. You mentioned earlier shared Accelerate storage and how that kind of mapped to uh, some of the things that we talked about relative to FlashBlade and and Airy uh, and the sort of st- uh, storage of service, right, as uh, ES2. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right, that offering. So uh, maybe you can kind of summarize for our listeners, you know, sort of w- what each one of those meant, starting with... Uh, shared accelerated storage, yeah, for, and specifically for sure. around Flash Array X, because yep, I think yep. that was a really great announcement. Yeah, so you know, the again, the macro level uh, data centric architecture. And so, if you want to be data centric, you know, what you need is a really obviously, um, you can think of it just conceptually, like a really amazingly powerful core, if you will, of storage. Right? I mean, that's what if you're going to be data centric, you need that. And you know, we've had on the um, on the block storage side for a long time, but frankly, even with with FlashBlade, we've had like really great storage. And what we found was with our Flash Array family, which is our block storage family uh, of products, that there is this a change happening in the in the le- networking landscape mm-hmm. in particular around parallel networks, NVMe. Uh, and and just really fast networks, frankly, you know, going from 20 gig, 40 gig, 100 gig, 400 gig, you know, you know, coming not too far away. That when, when you do that and you combine that with these low latency protocols, you can essentially break the, if you will, the penalty of 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 doing um, storage outside of a server. Yeah. Right. Like, wow. At that point, it almost becomes like the like shared storage is acting like it's inside the server from a latency perspective, which is really huge. And what we realized then was that there was this opportunity with those technology kind of changes happening in the world to create a new category of storage that took the best of all flash arrays, if you will, like right. kind of what we'd been doing with the flash array M uh, and shared storage, generally speaking, in SAN environments, and take what people have been attempting to do with direct attached storage and truly having storage inside the servers for not your traditional scale-up database-type workloads, but for like Hadoop and- Modern uh, kind things, of, right. Yeah, like yeah. more scale-out-y, you know, kind of web-scale-type stuff. And those are very different architectures today. And that that big difference causes a lot of complexity and you know cost and all sorts of inefficiency and all sorts of stuff. And so these changes had an opportunity to, to allow us to rationalize that and create one architecture, a unified architecture that solves both. And that's what shared accelerated storage is. And so we introduced the new uh, product family called Flash Array X that does exactly that. So we're super excited because, okay, number one, it's a better Flash Array, yeah. right? So for people who are doing block and doing fiber channel, whatever, like li- their life is going to get better too. But now we can start to consolidate in and, and bring in all these other workloads into a common platform for way greater efficiency, you know, as good performance or close to, you know, the server side, you know, might be still a little bit faster, but you get all the benefits of shared storage. You get all the management, you get all the snapshots, the replication, all the data all services. Software features yeah, and data services. that storage yeah. does really yeah, well, yeah. right? So that's fundamentally what the what that shared accelerated storage announcement was about. You know, we're we were happy to to um, be part of that announcement. Like that's actually Gartner's term. Yeah, you know they yeah. came up with it. Um, it's uh, we think it's really appropriate. You know we 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 like it. The acronym is a little un, you know unfortunate. Like yeah, SAS, SAS is SAS. an acronym, know, right? I like know. there's yeah. a lot of SASs out there. But uh, as a as a as a concept, shared accelerated storage is great. And so we we love the fact that the Garner's out there um, talking about this with people. Um, you'll notice if you if you kind of read up on that, and I recommend your listeners do. 
you know, it's not just about all flash arrays. Like you could do shared accelerated storage with a hyper-converged type approach, even with a software-defined type approach. And so we think that's great. Different people yeah. are going to come out there with different attempts. Um, you know, we're certainly uh, already seeing other competitive vendors try to come out and, and get entries in the market too. Our kind of big thing that we're doing is not only are we doing this shared accelerated storage thing, we're making it mainstream. And we're changing the economics so that you can actually take it everywhere. And put it on all your workloads, not just the you know the high end niche tier yeah, zero ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's in in many ways, for me, you know, um, since I've been here for about four years, you know, when I joined, we were running this playbook of take solid state, you yeah. know, everywhere just yeah. as, as a thing, yeah. right? At that point, also, still the rest of the marketplace was by and large saying, no, Flash is great, but it's like too expensive, and for the very niche, most important applications, you can never put that everywhere. Um, and so we were on a mission to make that very mainstream with, yeah. with better software, better right. data reduction, greater simplicity and resiliency and all sorts of stuff. And we're doing the same thing now with uh, with shared accelerated storage. So we're, we're excited about that to really kind of lead the, lead the market and help customers get the benefits of NVMe um, now, yeah. not in yeah. like two years from now. Right. No, yeah. it's fantastic. And, and shameless plug, uh, Calvin was in here uh, a few weeks back. So for anybody listening, if you want to go get more details specifically around the Flash Array X, um, pull up that pod yeah, from, yeah, from yeah. the Pure Report. And Calvin and I go into gory detail. I mean, great, interesting detail, but <laughs> a lot deeper than you and I <laughs> yeah, are going right. right now. Right? So it, yeah. that was a huge announcement for us, yeah. right? I mean, our Flash Array is, um, you know, it's our it's our biggest product, right? It's the one we've had for, for the longest time. We've got certainly uh, a just an absolute ton of customers, happy customers on that. And they're always looking for what's the next. Of course, it's evergreen, which means you can yeah. upgrade to it non-disruptively. Don't slow down, let alone stop. Investment protection, getting From to M, it. From M, 2X. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just unbelievable. It doesn't exist anywhere else. So I could talk at length about that. So then then what else? So then then, then you move kind of into a whole other category of announcements, frankly, um, around software mm -hmm. and around um, what we would call fairly cloudy, very at least certainly private cloudy yeah. type software, right? And uh, you know this this whole notion of being having a data centric architecture also demands that you, you're operating as a service. You know that's 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 what you can do, and what we believe you should do if you're going to have a data centric architecture is have have your whole infrastructure operate as a service, so that you're basically running like your own internal private cloud. Right and and yes, working with the public clouds and various other things. So we came up with a bunch of other announcements. I'll just uh, I'll just kind of mention a couple here, or maybe three. Um, you know, the first was uh, the the first uh, ver uh, sort of VMware validated design okay. or VVD. Mm -hmm. So this is a full stack on top of our storage, uh, VM based environment. Right. So powered by vRealize and the, and the VMware stack on top of our vVols implementation, which is the best implementation in the industry to connect VMs straight to storage and get full per VM control, policy-based management, everything. Remove all the middle stuff. Remove right? everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like with this stack that we, that we announced with, with, you know, again, with VMware, it's a VVD, uh, their certification, you have what is, you might argue, a hyper-converged infrastructure in the sense that it's completely VM-based. Like, there's no storage management here. Now, it's not converged in the sense of Atom smashing all the hardware into right. a single box. But, but usually hyper-converged is about more of the software well, layers Well, that's the idea. Anyway, that's, right? that's what we believe, so right? That's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not right, about hardware right. packaging that sure. makes HCI, HCI. Uh, it's about the, the, so the consumption model, if you will, and the experience of it. And so, and of course, the benefit of, of this approach that we've taken is that it's, it's very flexible. You can scale the compute and the, and the performance, um, uh, sorry, uh, storage performance and, and capacity independently, the compute performance independently. Like, you have this 
these degrees of freedom that you really want as you're you know, scaling out your environment, right? And so we, we made that whole thing just super simple for people. So we're really excited about that. Another uh, interesting announcement was is around a container and DevOps environments. So we, had, we actually had a bunch of announcements that are helping people in that area. But but one, given all the demand and the usage that we're starting to see, software developers, every company, and to some degree, not every company, but many, um, creating software is becoming an important thing that they're doing and key to their business or certainly lines of business anyway. And containers are a key technology for doing that. And so we came up with a, a bunch of, of additional support for containers in combination with Red Hat, um, but also a bunch of software that, that, we, that we built on our own. So we introduced something called a pure service orchestrator, which is essentially an abstraction layer that sits above all of our storage arrays, Flash Array and Flash Blade, and serves up storage to containers that are asking for it. Um, and so like you, you just, there's no more storage complexity. It's policy based. If you want snapshots, the service orchestrator routes your, you know, kind of st the container storage request to the right array, to the, you know, to the, with the right policies, with the right amount of performance and capacity specs and all that sort of stuff. So making it easier for the infrastructure folks yeah. that are supporting the DevOps it, environments. That are, so that, that, that the there, infrastructure right? just works. Yeah. It's just an as a service. Around with it. It's just yeah. an as a service yeah. thing, right? right? Consumed directly by developers, directly by um, uh, infrastructure running as code, right? So we're excited about that. Uh, and we think developers are going to love that generally. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one, which you alluded to earlier, was this notion of um, actually financial consumption model. Correct. So, you know, we've uh, been selling our storage as um, like CapEx, which is the way, mm -hmm. sort of the way people in the industry talk about it. Like you buy it and then you own it and it depreciates over a certain number of years. Of course, because our stuff is evergreen, you know, many of our customers are depreciating over six, seven, eight years, you know, a long time because it just keeps refreshing and getting better. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing is a lot of people saying, hey, they, they actually want the cloud consumption model. They want to pay as they use stuff, right? And align their spend with their actual true consumption. And the, the thing that we did was solve exactly that problem. You know, the alternatives are things like leases, not very service-oriented friendly. They're still fundamentally just financing wrapped around yeah, it just a series of products. Models. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. A, a separate series of products with forklift upgrades and disruption getting between them and all the rest of that jazz. Um, and they're certainly not pay-per-use, right? I mean, what people want is dollar per gigabyte per month. And that's what we did. And we call that the evergreen storage service as opposed to, you know, you can buy our evergreen just storage, evergreen you, can, you can buy yeah, it, right? right, but, right. And then you can pay a subscription to, you know, keep it refreshed and modern and, you know, and supported and all that jazz. But now you can actually buy the evergreen storage service. And it literally is a dollar per gigabyte per month after a minimum. So there's a minimum we have of 100 terabytes that, that people commit to for either um, the shortest term is 12 months. Could go all the way up to, you know, even five years. But I think we think for most people it's going to be, you know, 12 months to th 36 months. Um, but that's just for the minimum. And then after that, they just pay for what they use on top. And this gets people to an OPEX consumption Completely model. Completely OPEX. Right? Complete OPEX. Right. At least really that's what we designed it for, right? 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 Yeah. And because yeah. there's, um, for your listeners, there's actually, it's really important, there's an entirely new set of financial accounting standards for leases. And um, so, if, you know, for people in the United States, go check out the, the FASB or the FASB mm -hmm. accounting rules for the treatment of leases. And, and, you'll, and you'll see uh, how it's different. And fundamentally, the, the, the sort of the big change is, if the if the equipment that we're that's under discussion here, if the if the customer has any say in what that equipment is when it's when it's quote unquote financed, that equipment goes on the balance sheet. So it's like if you buy a car, right? Yeah. You go pick out the car and you say, That's the one I want and let's do a lease on it, right? Well, guess what? You picked out what the car was, that that can't be treated as OPEX anymore. Um, and so, you know, 
that that you need to do things very differently. Like the customer just needs to give you a storage requirement, like an SLA. Like I need a you know 150 terabytes. You know I need. The, I mean it just has to be SLA based, and it's up to the vendor to decide how to provision against that. And that's if you think about it, that's the way the public cloud works, right? Like when you go get EBS from AWS. You don't choose what it's running on. You just say, I want 100 terabytes. It just goes. Right? Yeah. Of yeah. VBS. Mm -hmm. And they bill you, and that's that. Um, it's up to Amazon to figure out how they, under the covers, you know, deal with that. And the same thing for Pure. So that's what we're doing. The only thing I want to be clear for your listeners is it's running on our customers' premises. Okay. So it's not a public cloud service. Mm -hmm. It's an on-prem service. It's delivered with our flash arrays. We own them. So the customers don't own them, right? Um, but we deploy them. We as Pure and our partners, we do this jointly with our partners, we deploy it on the customer premises. And then as the customer uses it, we're billing them, you know, th again, through the partners. And as they, they they start to fill up the array, we keep shipping more so equipment capability out. capability to grow yep. and We just keep shipping equipment out. Story, right? They can scale yeah. up. Okay. They can scale down, like elastically. Like, I mean, it's just... You know, we, we, we're trying to give, and we, and we think we've got it here, the, the, the cloud, the public cloud experience, but on your premises, right? right? right. So we're excited about that. So now we can, like, give, give um, our customers a choice, you know, and, and flexibility to, frankly, even move between them, right? Do you want OpEx? Do you want CapEx? Do some workloads want, want to be OpEx? You know, more experimental, more kind of seasonality and bursty, you know, and the sort of the run rate stuff that you're, you know, you, you just highly predictable, fantastic. We'll keep that as CapEx because, by the way, you will always save money. With capex, yes, because you're not financing anything, yeah, right? Yeah. Like the whole, the whole idea about opex is, hey, you 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 you're kind of paying a premium for more flexibility, right? Because you can scale up and down, and you can quit, like like I said, uh, after 12 months if you have yeah. a 12 month term, right? Uh, and and that's the end of it. So that was the whole sort of second area of announcements, um, and then the third area was around analytics, right? And you know, as we kind of kicked off, you know, the the, the demand for and the uh, the appetite for understanding what's happening with the data, right, in in the various businesses that pe that people are in is just huge, and the tools are are, are evolving so that they're they're like becoming we just really powerful. About earlier, right? right, that evolution is enabling more to yeah, be done with all that data. That's right. Yeah. And, so, and so so now you know, okay, well now now people need you know um, storage that's going to break the bottleneck and, and allow them to get access to that data. And so in uh, in an AI context in particular, if you if you go back um, you know a number of weeks actually but just before accelerate, we had announced jointly with Nvidia right. a new at GTC, a, a full a, right. yeah at their GTC conference, yep. right? A full stack solution for AI. And we called it uh, the AIRI or AI ready infrastructure. AI ready, yep. And so there it's a combination of our flash blade, which is purpose built for this high throughput, you know, low latency, you know, capability of storage, massively parallel. Uh, and we paired that up with NVIDIA's GPUs, their DGXs, and a bunch of software both from NVIDIA and from Pure to help data science teams really go big in terms of analyzing their data. And so at Accelerate, we extended on that and we introduced a sort of an entry-level version of Airy. We call it the Airy Mini. So instead of the full four DGXs, uh, it comes with two DGXs. Okay. And so, you know, it's basically just a slightly scaled-down version, but it fills a gap to help, you know, smaller data science teams when they go from, like, one person to, you know, a small team, and they want to start really productizing, you know, their, their work and their training models and whatnot. So we, we think is great because it really does make AI accessible, to people, you know, in in many ways, like uh, I think a lot of people are interested in AI, but really don't know what to do. 
You yeah, know, it's like, how do I how do, do that? Right? What, do what do we do? I need to, what do I need to get to go and do yeah, projects? Right. And that's right. You know, and so it's a time to market thing. Right. And it's, we're it's, clearly not solving the whole thing. Like, sure, I mean, sure. we're not, it, it, we don't, we don't ship data scientists with, <laughs> with the ARI. Right. Yeah. But, but the infrastructure has been an, a nightmare for people to try, try to figure out, you know, how, what to build, how to keep it running. You know, data scientists, they're not infrastructure experts. They don't want to be, they don't want to have whole teams dealing with this stuff. They just want something that works. Right. And so, uh, that's what we built with Aerie. So at least we're solving that whole problem. And then you can kind of, you know, just just add data scientists, you know, if, if you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. uh, and away you go. And, and and the other software tools that, that sit, obviously, on, you know, on top. So, uh, so we added that. But AI is not the only type of analytics people are out there doing, right? In fact, most people are not doing AI. I think there's a lot of interest in AI, and we're seeing that kind of take off, and it's very exciting to see it go. Um, uh, and I think, you know, for all of us that have kids, you know, like what their world is going to be like, powered by AI, is, is kind of like yeah, going to be stream. It'll be very interesting. Going to be right? interesting to yep. see what happens, yep. right? But you know, for most people, there's still it's more traditional analytics, more you know, whether it's log analytics or you know, kind of you know, big data type stuff with yeah. Hadoop and or various even other data things. Warehousing, right? Data Just warehousing, good old, good old fashioned yep. data warehousing. You right? bet. It's being done. Well, how do we make that better? And so. There we introduced uh, a next iteration of our Flash stack, which is our converged infrastructure. Again, what is the point of converged to sort of make the infrastructure simple to consume and, and kind of get going with and, and scale? And until this point, we only had um, a Flash stack with Flash Array, again, for these scale-up type workloads, you know, VMs and whatnot on block. And now we have a Flash stack with Flash Blade. So again, think about the diversity of compute. So if you want the GPU-style compute, you've got your Airy, right? If you want the CPU style compute, you've got your Flash stack now with Flash Blade, and so, kind of, so both yeah. of those things have Flash. And we're meeting all those workload types end to end, and with, everything with us, in between, right? anything all in that, that analytics kind of in between. Analytics. That's right, right. right. And, yeah. and what and what you see is, I mean, they're both powered by Flash Blade. Flash Blade is shared accelerated storage. Like it's not just Flash Array. They both have that same common architecture of massive parallelism, super low latency protocols, and so on. So if we you know get into it more. Um, and they're, and they're, they just come in a slightly different form factor. And as you mentioned, you can do all sorts of different analytics kind of end to end. And uh, and by the way, you can do it all with Pure and with Cisco. So that was the, the sort of the last announcement was that while we had an ARI uh, before, it was only with Arista from a networking perspective. Mm-hmm. So it was, in, it was NVIDIA from a GPU, Pure from storage and Arista from networking. And now we have a Cisco, uh, you know, flavor of, of ARI as well. So uh, particularly for people who are, 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 you know, big Cisco customers, and there's many of those, and, you know, now you can have, you can kind of keep that relationship going with Cisco and have it uh, just all be Cisco pure. Easier integration um, into yeah, existing just infrastructure, correct. data centers and things. Yeah, yeah simpler buying yeah, and, and right. you know, and support and all the rest of that stuff. So, I mean, th- that's essentially announcements. And um, so we thought it was, uh, you know, and there's a, a, a lot of the things I didn't, I didn't touch on, no, but those yeah, are the yeah, big yeah. ones. Yeah, I mean, we had tons of sessions and, and breakouts and, and, of course, the pavilion. I guess if we're still on keynotes, the, the one other part that was really great, and because um, Pure does so many great things in the community, but also that we love our customers, I thought some of the customer stories that you guys queued up were, were really fantastic, right? You had the Barrios example, you had the Page AI, and that just shows some of the really interesting, impactful things that we're doing, not just, you know, providing basic data solutions to customers, but how we're really uh, fundamentally changing how companies and how enterprises and how scientific organizations can go in and, and help improve 
life. I mean, it goes to the company's mission statement, really, when you get down to it, right? We empower innovators uh, to, to, to do better things with data. And yeah, those customer examples right. that were on stage were, were just were powerful. They're, they're, they're really powerful, you know, and... Um, you, you're right. I mean, it, there's so many different missions that organizations, you know, have out there. And, you know, I, I would argue most of them are not about like, you know, extracting insights, you know, from yeah, stuff, right? right? I right. mean, there's just, there's just a lot of, you can call, call them more regular businesses, but, but those businesses have a mission uh, you know, of their own that they're trying to reach their customers and solve their customers' problems and add value in their communities, right? Um, and they need to be up and running in order to do that, right? And so, you know, have an infrastructure that is resilient and reliable and is just dependable helps everybody, right? And so it, it kind of it doesn't matter what what that business is. Um, the storage really like the data. This is what I said on the stage, right? Data really does matter. It matters. Like it, ma yeah. it matters hugely. Um, I mean, you find out. It's kind of. I mean, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch, but like you really find out that you miss electricity when it's not running, right? Yeah. And yeah. same thing with your data. You can't or get access internet, to your right? data. Yeah. Your internet, yeah. right? Right. I mean, that, that's kind of like how you, you know, that's how things just run off of that stuff, you know? It really is, as a bit of a um, potentially, you know, overused metaphor at this point, but data is the new oil, right? Yeah. It's the new electricity. Right. It's the dial right. tone. I don't know. Pick your metaphor, right? But we, we need it. We need it always there. So, yeah, those, those are, there are some great customer stories up there, and we look forward to you know, highlighting more like that because those human interest stories that really connect you to what, like, what are people doing with it that's mattering, Right. Um, that I think that that really kind of makes it, you know, brings it home. But then but then there's, you know, lots of just, you know, more more sort of traditional cool infrastructure stuff. We had Keith Martin from ServiceNow. Right. You know, on the stage with us. That was a great story, us. too. Right. Absolutely. About what, you know, all the things they're doing with Flashblade. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, in areas that a lot of people may not have even thought. Right. You know, just in terms of, uh, for example, the backup environment being such an absolute nightmare. Again, because the data volumes are growing out like crazy. And how are you going to like. Get your backups done and recoverable in a timely fashion. You know, particularly for SaaS companies like ServiceNow, and and you know, you, again, you might argue everybody's becoming a software company, and everybody's a software company is becoming a SaaS company. Um, like that ability to to have fast SLAs and keep your infrastructure nimble uh, is is really critical. And so we're going in there and solving you know some relatively you know old school type problems like right. with backup but in a totally new school way right that just you couldn't have done otherwise well and everything's always on it's all 24 7 365 so you know what are those windows what are the there's no times for outages anymore yeah that's right, right. it has to just be streamlined yep that's right and so like you know keith it was it was great because you know he in particular you know sees the same vision that we see around shared accelerated mm -hmm. storage and you know they've sort of started this path of top of rack flash um you know, with FlashBlade and, and, and focusing on this on, on these backup-oriented use cases, but you know, he's seeing what we're doing with Flash Array and thinking about all the other sorts of ways that they can they can use that same sort of data-centric shared accelerated storage architecture in their environment. So we're we're excited to keep working with them and see what else they do with it. Yeah, and that hit, hits the vision perfectly for for I guess brings us right back to the data-centric architecture from the beginning. Well, anything else you want to close with? Uh, no, it just uh, it was a great show. We can't awesome. wait to do it to do it again. Um, you know, it's uh, it was my third third accelerate. Third one? Third one? Um, yeah. We'll see. It's it was at San Francisco, uh, like the, every other one has been. I don't know where we're going to be tuned, next time, right? but stay yeah, tuned, stay tuned. Folks. I mean, for for everything we talked about today, you can certainly go to PureStorage.com and and seek out the uh, the replay for all the keynotes. The replays are there, and even all the breakout sessions. So yeah, I, I that's would, a great yeah, that's I would a great call up. Go go look up those things if any of these things were of interest to you. You know, talk to talk to your account team, but go yep. find those things online as well. Yep, you can you can get the as 
as Rob just mentioned, the videos are, are there for sure. They're all there. But uh, the, uh, your friendly neighborhood account teams from Pure also have access to all the slide content from all the breakouts. So you can reach out to them. They can share that with you, walk you through it, right? You know, whatever uh, you're interested in, we can definitely help you out. Yeah. And for us, it's going to be time to start working on next year's it's Accelerate just about, pretty soon. It's just about. A, it's almost right. a year-round <laughs> thing as <laughs> it goes. Right. Well, and folks, stay tuned You know, for an announcement probably coming later in the year to give you more details on where the next Accelerate uh, is going to be and what dates those are. And we hope if you found this interesting that we will see you there next year, either in person or online. Jason, thanks so much for uh, joining today. It was a pleasure having this conversation. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, awesome. So thanks everybody for listening in and uh, please subscribe, please provide feedback. And with that, we'll say uh, for Pure Storage and Jason Nadeau, this is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. Take care, everybody. <laughs>